Hello. Did I turn that on or not? Ah, oh, I must have turned it on and then I hit the um, mute button. That's right. <laughs> All right, well, it's really good to be here and uh, thank you again, Pastor and Pastor, for the invitation. Um, been doing this a long time <laughs> and uh, wearing a little track up here. But um, <clears throat> you were talking about, in fact, I was, went out to the car for a moment. I heard you something, someone was saying something about David. Did you mention David, my son David? was here on, on Friday. Yeah, um, early this year, uh, I think it was either March or might have, might have been April uh, sometime, um, I was speaking in Sydney at a church out in uh, Sydney's west. Um, my brother Lyndon was speaking somewhere on the north coast uh, Jesse, my son Jesse was speaking at the church at Tamworth. Dave was speaking, I think, at Coffs Harbour. And my brother Darren was preaching at the church at Bendigo, all within one hour. So there were five of us, three brothers and two brothers, or, you know, um, two, two nephews, two uncles and a dad, all preaching within one hour on the east coast of... Or virtually the east coast of Australia. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but it's <laughs> um, and I don't know if any of the sermons were any good, but, but it did happen. So um, uh, it's, we thank the Lord for opportunities to preach the word. That's, um, that's really good, and it's good to be here. Well, I haven't asked uh, Pastor Kendall about how long I'm supposed to go for, so I don't know. I said, this, this, I'm a bit jet lag. My wife and I are jet lag, so we only got back from Europe, from Spain on... Uh, Friday, Friday afternoon. So if you want to fall asleep, that's fine. But this may be the first sermon where the preacher actually falls asleep while standing in the pulpit. Um, I've been known to fall asleep driving a car before, not on the highway, thankfully. Um, I ran into the brick wall at Bathurst one year when I fell asleep, um, <laughs> got into the driveway and fell asleep and ran into the wall. Just, you know, a little, little ding like that. But um, hopefully I'll keep, a week, keep awake for... Um, for this morning. If you've got your Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 13, please. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. And I want to give you a few thoughts uh, this morning on this uh, very well-known part of God's Word. And I've titled this message, What You Miss When You Miss. What you miss when you miss. Numbers 13. And uh, let, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Um, there's some tricky words there. So we'll, um, we'll skip over some verses. But let's start here in verse uh, number 1. And you follow as we, we read a few verses here. Numbers 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel, and these were their names. Now, we won't read out the names for time's sake. Verse number 16. These are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called O'Shea, 
the son of Nun, Jehoshua, or we know him as Joshua. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first right ripe grapes. Verse 23. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshcol, because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the great morning we've had and thank you for the great year we've had. Uh, and dear Lord, we pray now that as we come to look at your word, I pray that you'll speak to uh, every heart. Lord, you know where we're at spiritually. You know our condition. Uh, you know our position. And Lord, we pray that the, the word of God will come alive for us this morning. We pray for the filling of the spirit of God for this message and we'll thank you uh, in advance we believe you'll answer this prayer and we pray this in Jesus name amen i want you to notice uh, the uh, the national circumstances here surrounding this occurrence in the the life of the nation of israel uh, for most of the people of israel this was the opportunity to enter to enter the promised land that god had uh, uh, promised them this wonderful land called the land of canaan now, they've been walking for quite a while. Remember, this is after uh, over 400 years uh, captivity in Egypt. God brought them out in a miraculous way, and they spent a little bit of time in the desert, but they came right to the verge or right to the, the entry of the land of Canaan, this incredible land that God had promised to them. And there was one thing that they yearned for. They yearned for rest. They wanted rest. Now, rest is, is not... Rest is not um, absence of activity or laziness. That's not rest. Rather, rest is security and providence and care. 
And here, here was their opportunity as a people to enter into the land that God had promised to their father Abraham. And the land was there before them. And this was their opportunity. But of course, as we'll see, and as you most probably know the story, they missed out. And so I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on what you miss when you miss. You see, sometimes opportunity only knocks once. There was the story that opportunity knocked on a man's door, but he didn't hear the knock because he was down in the backyard uh, telling his neighbour a hard luck story. Opportunity knocked for the nation of Israel, and they didn't take that opportunity. Now, I want you to notice the, the chosen 12. Now, we didn't go through all the names there. You can read them some other time in uh, chapter 13. Uh, all these uh, uh, fellows that went, there were 12, 12 spies. And can you imagine that? What a, what a privilege spying. Maybe this was the start of Mossad, you know, the feared Israeli spy uh, intelligence network. Maybe this was the start of Mossad, I don't know. But what a privilege to be a spy for, for Israel. And, uh, and Moses said, uh, well, the Lord said to Moses, go and spy out the land. Check it out. You go and check out what I have prepared for you. Go and have a look at it. Now, of course, we know the story. Twelve men went to spy out Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good, so the song goes. Two of these fellows were, were good fellows, Caleb and Joshua. And, uh, and this is what they said. Actually, come over to chapter 14 for a minute. Go to verse number 7. This is Caleb and Joshua. Oh, verse 6. Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land that floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They are bread for us. You ever heard the saying, they're toast? I think that's where the saying comes from. I don't know if they had toast in those days. <laughs> well, you can cook toast over an open fire, can't you? Uh, but they said, listen, Caleb and Joshua said, listen, listen. They're toast. They're bread. We've got this. We've got this. Um, and then they went on to say, listen, their, uh, their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. He said, we, we, people, we've got this. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, they're this. Yeah, they're that. But God is not with them. God is with us. We've got this. Reminds me of, um, you know, um, I remember... Um, Back in my school days, playing, I loved playing rugby league. I don't know if I was much good at it, but I loved playing rugby league. But of course, you'd go out there, and I remember in the under-15s for Arthur Phillip High School, uh, we would play teams. This is 14-year-olds, and we'd be playing fellas with full beards. 14. And we're thinking, I don't think they're 14. But anyway, you'd look at these fellas, and they always looked about this big. You ever notice that? And uh, uh, it, it, I don't know if you've ever played rugby league, but they always look bigger than you. But of course... Notice it's always the little fellas that do all the work. You know, the hooker. The hooker's always a little fella, but he's the one that does all the tackles because he says, I don't care how big they are, I'm just going to knock them around the feet and, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And this is what jo Joshua and Caleb said. They said, bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, we've got the, I know they're big and they're full of front rowers and big ugly players and so on. This is, but we've got this. The Lord's not with them. The Lord's with us. So let's go. 
Don't be fearful of that. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. That was the, that was the two of the twelve. They said, the land is exceeding good. It's an awesome place. We just need to go and take it. Unfortunately, there were two here that were good, but ten of them were not good. And unfortunately, the ten were the majority. They were the majority. Look at chapter 14 again here. Uh, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. This is the wrong majority. The people wept that night. And, the, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make us a captain and let us return unto Egypt, into Egypt. You see, the majority is not always right. The majority is oftentimes wrong. In 1844, a fellow called Dr. Ignis Semmelweis was a surgeon at the Vienna Maternity Hospital. And he suggested, it was a crazy suggestion at the time, he suggested that the high rate of the death of um, patients and babies was from doctors carrying infections from disease and dead people whom they'd previously touched. So this Dr. Semmelweis suggested that they wash their hands with soap and water before they did an operation. And he tried to get the doctors to wear clean clothes. And most of the doctors disagreed and deliberately disobeyed orders. In the late 1800s, a fellow called Joseph Lister began soaking surgical instruments and his hands and his patients with carbolic acid and the results of infection or lack of infection were astonishing. But the majority of doctors still criticised his work. Now we know that Lister and Semmelweis were correct, but the majority of the doctors of the day were wrong. Just because the majority believes one thing doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's right. Just because the majority, the 10 out of the 12 said, no, 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 we can't, this is, this is bad. Yeah, it, it's a really good land, but there's the sons of Anak are there. Great big tall galoots, and there's no way we can beat those big tall galoots. You say, what's a galoot? I don't know. It's a, bit, it's a big, <laughs> big, big tall fella, and the land's going to eat us up. We, we, you know, we are toast. We're going to be bread for them. So you have the two against the ten, but the majority is oftentimes wrong. You know, the majority of people today are not Christians. Majority of people have no time for God. The majority, the average Aussie has no time for God, no time for Jesus. They don't, they don't believe in him. The majority is oftentimes wrong, but that's, that's fine. We should not be discouraged. God often works, usually God works with minorities. In other words, numerical minorities. And then out came the excuses. We read them in chapter 14. This is the, the excuses of the majority. Again, they were the ever-present giants. And as the nation of Israel was to find out, yes, there were giants in Canaan, but there were also giants elsewhere as well. Because we all have to face giants. David found that out. We all have to face giants in life. And that's, there's another sermon there on its own. 
But those giants may be, may be health giants or financial giants or relationship giants or, or employment giants or just enemies that are giants or whatever. We all have to face our giants. So whether they were going into Canaan or whether they were going to wander around the desert for another 40 years, they still had to face their giants. So that was real no valid excuse. And then they said, we're going to die. Well, let's, you're all going to die sometime. Whether you're in Canaan or not in Canaan, they're still going to die. Because you can't live forever. And then we've already mentioned the fact that they're a small minority. They said, we're just tiny. Well, that's fine. You've been a minority up this far. And God got you out of Egypt. And God opened the Red Sea. And God had the manna come down. And God did this and God judged Pharaoh with all the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the plagues and so on. Yes, you were just a minority, but God looks after that. It's fine. But that was their excuse. And then their excuse was, hey, it was better back in Egypt. It was better back in Egypt. Wow, at least we had the garlics and the leeks and the fish. It was better back in Egypt, they said. And of course, the last, ex last excuse was our leaders are no good. <laughs> we need to ditch Moses and Aaron. We need some new leaders. You ever heard that before? Yeah. It's the leader's fault. We never look at ourselves. We always try and blame someone else. You know, believers can get, it's not just unbelievers, but Christians, God's people, we can get caught up in, in, in these sorts of things and we can miss the opportunities that God brings our way. And we've seen that there's a, number of, there's a number of reasons why we miss opportunities as Christians. There is fear. There is fear. Um, again, verse number 3, chapter 14. God, the Lord has brought us into this land to fall by the sword. They were fearful. You know, Christians aren't supposed to be fearful. So that's not, we're not supposed to live that way. You know, the, the Bible says God hasn't give, given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. We do not have to fear this world. We do not have to fear the giants we face. Yes, we face giants in whatever area of life that may be, but we don't have to fear them. And then there was disobedience over verse, uh, where are we? Verse 11. The Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? In other words, they are disobedient. Disobedient. And Christians can disobey God. We get leading from God and direction from God, but we disobey God. And when we disobey God, we provoke him, just like the children of Israel provoked God. And then there was unbelief. Look again at verse 11 of chapter 14. How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I've showed <coughs> among them? You say, can Christians be guilty of unbelief? Yep, we sure can. We sure can. When we don't believe God, in spite of what he has done and in spite of his uh, uh, incredible workings in our lives, we, we can get to the point where we don't believe God, we don't believe the promises of God. And that's not a good thing. And when we are fearful and when we are disobedient and when, when we are unbelieving, then we're going to miss what God wants for us. I know so many Christians, so many of God's children have missed what God had for their lives because of these things. Fear, disobedience, unbelief. So before we get too, you know, we, we get a bit uh, critical, we get maybe too hard on the children of Israel. Maybe not too hard, but, you know, we need to look at ourselves and say these things, yeah, 
that was Israel, but that, that can be us too. Even God's people. Well, here's my main point for the message, and I'll be very brief this morning. But there are the resulting consequences. In other words, what do you miss when you miss? If we miss God's leading, if we miss God's direction, if we disobey God's orders for our lives, what do we miss? Well, the first thing we miss is purpose. Is purpose. God's plan for Israel, he said, I'm going to bring you out of the land of Egypt. I'm going to do it miraculously. You just, Moses, leave that up to me. Moses said, Lord, how's this going to happen? It's all right, Moses, I've got it, okay? I've got it. And he did. He brought them out miraculously, destroyed the armies of Pharaoh. He put the fear of God into all the nations round about Israel. They needed food, so God sent the water, food down from the sky. They needed water to, to water you know, several million people with all their flocks and their herds. So God, you know, Moses um, uh, <clears throat> hit the rock and, and out came the water. And it wasn't just a, like a little trickle. It was like the Nile River coming out because you need a fair bit of water to water all those people and all the stock. God says, yeah, I'll do all that. That's fine. You're sick of, you're sick of the, getting a bit sick of the, uh, the manna? which is most probably a perfect, you know, perfect, it was, it was angel food. If God sent it, it was pretty good. In fact, I'd say it was perfect for what they needed nutritionally. They complained, God said, all right, I'll give you some quails. So God sent the quails, he said, you're going to have quails coming out your nostrils. <laughs> but God provided the protein they needed. God said, I've done all that and now I've got this land Canaan. I've been preparing it for you. It's just incredible. It's just the most incredible um, part of the world that I've set apart for you. I've promised it to Abraham. Here it is. Go and take it. They were fearful. They were disobedient. They were unbelieving. And so they missed, they missed God's plan for their lives and they missed God's purpose I know some Christians they missed God's purpose they wasted their lives and there's nothing sadder than a Christian who wastes his life or her life so you can miss the purpose for life so they had no purpose because they disobeyed and they were fearful and they were unbelieving and then they had no victories no victories and, you know, there's, um, <clears throat> there's nothing more miserable than a defeated Christian. Serious. There's nothing more miserable than a defeated Christian. See, God, God has saved us and, and, and given us eternal life and given us an inheritance and a home in heaven and part of God's family and, and, and he's justified us and so on. But he's all, it's, it's more than that. God says, hey, I'm going to give you all that you need to live this thing called the Christian life. And you can have a victorious Christian life. You don't have to sin. Now, we do sin. We know that. But God has made, ever made provision for the times we do sin. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. If, uh, <clears throat> if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So being a victorious Christian doesn't mean you live a perfect life. Okay, we know that. But being a victorious Christian means, yes, we have a victorious life. And even when we do stumble, God forgives us. We get up and we grow in grace. In fact, that's what the Bible says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We are to grow. We are to mature as Christians. 
And yet so many Christians, yet they're saved, they know the Lord, but they're baby Christians. And they can be, I've, known, I've known Christians that have been saved for 40, 50 years and they're still baby Christians. They live a defeated Christian life. That's sad. That is so sad because God has given us this life. He said it's not just life, but it's abundant life. But the children of Israel were going to miss out on all the victories there that God was going to give them. And then that, we've already mentioned this, but they were going to miss out on rest. Rest. They were yearning for rest. And God says, all right, there's the land. Go and take the land. Just obey. Believe my promises and you shall have rest. Nah, we're scared. God says, all right, you're not going to have rest. And he said, all right, from now on, for the next 40 years, you're going to wander around the desert until everyone above the age of 20 has died. And then once they're out of the way, then I'll put you into the land. They missed out on rest. And then maybe, maybe the worst thing of all they missed out on was the fruit. They missed out on the fruit. What did they do? Here's, here's these 12 fellas coming back. Um, God said, go and get some of the fruit. And so they had a bunch of grapes, okay, carried on a pole, one bunch of grapes. How big were the grapes? I don't know, most probably the size of grapefruit. Notice they didn't bring back watermelons. <laughs> they most probably couldn't carry a watermelon. Here was this land that was, the fruit was already mature. It's waiting for them, perfect. You know, I imagine there was pomegranates and that we know there are grapes and I don't know if there are bananas, you know, and, and dates and, and all, who know, who else knows was there? Apples, most probably. Pineapples. Whatever it was, it was there ready for them. They didn't have to wait to grow it. It was already mature fruit, ready to feed the nation. Guess what? They missed out on all of that. You know, Christians, if, if we are not in the centre of God's will for our lives, we can miss out on fruit. God has saved us to be fruitful Christians. Let me read a verse to you. Don't turn there, but I'll read it to you. It's from John 15 and verse 8, and this, it's, this is what it says. Um, we, God, let's read it. Let's read it anyway. John 15, verse 8. This will keep you awake. John 15 verse 8 says, Herein is, this is Jesus speaking, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. God wants us to be fruitful Christians. That is how God is glorified when his children bear fruit. Yet if we miss God's will through fear, through disobedience and through unbelief, guess what? We are not going to bear fruit. And so God misses out on the glory. Israel, here's this land. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll deal with the giants. I'll deal with the terrain. I'll deal with the chariots. I'll deal with this. Just, just, just go in. Go in faith. And as soon as you get there, man, every, every night there's fruit salad for you. Just, just tuck in. No, we can't. So for the next 40 years, it was manna. Manna. Every day, every night, for 40 years. 
You know, Christians, we can miss when we miss, we miss. Don't miss opportunities that God puts across our path. You know, I love, I love coming to church. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, whenever it is, it's an opportunity. Not just to come to church and to be fed, and that's, that's good to be spiritually fed, and physically fed too, but spiritually fed. But that's not the only reason we come to church. We come to church to be a blessing to others, to minister to others. Someone says, well, I'm, I'm leaving that church. I, my needs were not being met. You ever heard that? Yes, my needs were not being met, so I'm going to leave this church and, and go to another church. Because the grass is always greener on the other side. You ever notice that? Someone said the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence because there's more manure there. That's why the grass is greener. Yeah, 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 it's better. No, no, no. When it's just me, 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 that's, that's not what church is about. Church, yes, we come to church to be fed from the word of God and to have fellowship, but we come to give, to minister to others, to be a blessing to others. But when we miss church, we miss out. And then we miss serving God. Don't miss serving God. Don't miss serving God. Don't miss the witnessing opportunities. Don't miss time with God. When we miss, we miss. And I'll just close with this thought. You know, the, the most terrible thing you can miss when you miss is missing heaven. Missing heaven. You know, God, uh, God offers us salvation. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And if you're in, in this building this morning, sitting on these very nice flash chairs, and you are not saved. You do not know 100% for sure that there was a time in your life when you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. If you do not know that, you are in eternal danger of missing heaven. And there's nothing so terrifying, nothing so sad as someone missing heaven. You see, opportunity sometimes only knocks once. And if you are sitting in this building this morning and you do not know that there was a time when you received by faith Jesus Christ as your saviour, you are in terrible, terrible danger of missing heaven, of missing that relationship with God. You say, well, I will, I will think about being born again, becoming a Christian. I'll think about that on my, on my deathbed. You may not have a deathbed. You may not have a deathbed. The opportunity to be saved, it may just be today. I don't know. I'm not God. You're not God. You don't know. But if you are not saved this morning, you need to make sure that you are saved. You've most probably heard me say this story before, but it's, uh, it's a famous story. You can actually Google this fellow's name. His name was, he was a doctor. He was an, an Austrian doctor by the name of Adolf Lorenz. L-O-R-E-N-Z. Google his name. It's a famous story. And many, many years ago, he pioneered a surgery called bloodless surgery. And I'm not quite sure what the surgery was fixing, what condition. Um, do you remember what condition it was? I don't remember. Anyway, he's a famous surgeon. He was Austrian, and he became world famous. I'm going back over 100 years now. It was called bloodless surgery. And uh, he was... Um, he very quickly uh, became famous because he was help, able to help so many people in Europe with this particular form of surgery for this 
whatever the malady was they had. Well, he was invited to America and uh, he was going to America on this tour to go to hospitals and universities and teach his methods to doctors, physicians and so on in America. And he was doing this. He was in Philadelphia, uh, staying in a big hotel there and uh, he was doing these uh, demonstrations of how to do this surgery. And it just so happened that one afternoon he decided to get out of, he was tired, he wanted to go for a walk. So he got out of his, uh, left the hotel and went walking down through suburban Philadelphia. And while he was out there, it started to rain, like it was teeming down with rain, heavy rainstorm. And so this particular doctor, uh, Dr. Lorenz, he, um, he went up to the first house he came to, knocked on the door and said, in his, in his broken English, excuse me, uh, could I come in please, just while, while it's raining? And I won't, I, won't, I won't bother you, I just want to get out of the rain. Because the lady opened the door and, and he said this to the lady. This is what the lady said. said. He said, sir, there's enough trouble in this house already. Please go away. He closed the door and went back out in the rain. And, and not long after that, people from the hotel came out and found him and, and you know, took him back to the hotel. It just so happened, this is a true story, that the lady in that house had a son who had this medical condition and was seriously ill. She had written a personal letter to Dr. Lorenz in Austria, begging him to come to America and do the surgery on her son. And it was the next morning when she was uh, reading the newspaper in her house that she opened the newspaper and read a story and there was a picture of Dr. Lorenz there in the newspaper and she screamed because she realised that doctor had knocked on her door and she told him to go away. A tragic story about missed opportunity. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you would say, Preacher, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I've heard a little bit about it. I've maybe been to church maybe just once or twice or a few times. I don't know. Maybe you've heard the gospel a hundred times. I don't know. But maybe in your heart of hearts you're saying, yes, I'm preacher, I, I am not a Christian. I don't know that if I was to die today, I don't know that I'd go to be with the Lord. I don't know there was a time I was born again, as Jesus said. But maybe you'd say in your heart of hearts, I really would like to have Jesus in my heart. I really would like to be saved, like they say in the Bible. I really would like to have what most of the people in this building have. And that's the relationship with God through Jesus. And I can see now that today is the day of opportunity. Now, if that's you, my friend, if that's you, you know what I'm asking you to do? I'm asking you to humble yourself and say, yes, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I, I, I know I'm a sinner. But I now, I believe you died for me on the cross. You were buried. You rose again. You took my place. You paid for my sins on the cross. And so now I want to put my faith in you. I'm not asking you to come and join the church. I'm not, I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm just saying come to Jesus. The Bible says, for whosoever, and you can put your name in there, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise of God. If God's spoken to you this morning, will you respond? 
Let's have every head bowed, please, every eye closed. I'm just going to pray a prayer in a moment. Uh, close my message with a prayer and then I'll hand back, hand back to uh, one of the pastors to come and close the service, whoever you want to do that. But if, if I can be permitted to give just a real little short invitation here, and this is how I'll do it. If there's someone here this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and you would say in your heart of hearts, Preacher, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't know, but I would like to know today. I see that today's the opportunity to be saved, and I know that God is working in my life. If that's you, I would like to give you the opportunity to respond to the message, and this is how I'd like you to do it. And I'm not going to embarrass you, call your name out, whatever. God most probably don't even know your name. But I'd like you right now just to put your hand in the air so I can see it and I'll include you in my final prayer.